0: You're inside the SUV of Wade and Kathleen Wyatt and their children as it moves slowly along a curved blacktop road. You can hear their soft cries and sniffles as they follow the hearse just in front of them. Inside the hearse is the body of their 18-year-old son, Colin. They're leaving Colin's memorial service at St. Charles Preparatory High School in Bexley, Ohio on a brisk November morning. A stunning scene stretches out before them. Lining the school's driveway are a few hundred boys in their St. Charles High School blue blazers. They're classmates, friends, family who have come for Colin. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. That's Kathleen Wyant. So beautiful. She's overwhelmed by the show of love and support. The boys standing at attention along the street have their heads bowed to their chest. Some raise their eyes, wipe their tears. Several of the teens make the sign of the cross with their hands as the black Cadillac goes by. Colin is gone, and the cause of his death makes this even more painful. This is Broken Pledge, a special project of the Columbus Dispatch. It is a story about fraternity hazing and the life and death of Colin Wyant, an 18-year-old student at Ohio University. Colin, an honor roll student with a flair for leadership, decided to join the Sigma Pi fraternity a month into his freshman year, but he never made it to the end of the pledging process. In November 2018, Colin died after collapsing in the fraternity's off-campus house. And when it came time to stand up for their pledge, Colin's fraternity brothers instead chose a different path. I am Sheridan Hendricks. My colleagues and I have spent the past year investigating how Colin died and what happened in the aftermath. We reviewed court records, police reports, and recordings of disciplinary hearings at Ohio University to spotlight the secrecy surrounding hazing. As you listen to this special project, please consider supporting investigative journalism like this by visiting dispatch.com slash subscribe. Bexley is an upper middle class suburb of Columbus, Ohio. Some of the tree-shaded streets here are lined with stone-fronted mansions and colonial estates set well off the main road. Many of the city's elite live here. The governor's mansion and the residents of the Ohio State University president are here. It's also home to two of the most prestigious preparatory schools in the state, St. Charles and the Columbus School for Girls. St. Charles is an all-boys school. It was founded in 1923 by a Catholic bishop to be a Roman Catholic college preparatory school. Tuition is about $10,000 a year, which puts it on the lower end of the tuition scale compared with some of the other prestigious Catholic boys' schools in the state. The Wyans live about 25 minutes northwest on the other side of Columbus, in the suburb of Dublin. Dublin has a population of about 42,000 people. It's home to Muirfield Village Golf Club, which was built and is owned by the world-famous golfer Jack Nicklaus. Dublin is nearly as affluent as the Bexley neighborhood where Colin goes to school. How Colin ended up across town at St. Charles is another interesting story, and we'll get to that soon. For the Wyants, this funeral scene doesn't match their expectations for this point in their lives. It doesn't fit the life that the Wyants or Colin were in the process of carving out. Kathleen and Wade were just here a few months ago watching Colin, an honor student and a member of the basketball team, receive his diploma. Colin had recently started at Ohio University. He had mapped out a business major. There was a whole script he was following. And now... His buddies have lined the road to his alma mater to pay their respects.
1: That was like the first time that I cried since figuring out. And that, that was like right when I walked in to the room and I saw his casket, that's when I just kind of, I just fell to the ground and just started, I mean, I couldn't, that's when like the first time it kind of hit me that, like he actually was, like passed away.
0: That's Aiden Wyant, Colin's younger brother. A few of Colin's Sigma Pi fraternity brothers from OU also attended the service. They barely knew him. But in the three months that he was away at college, they taught him a lot. There were great moments watching football games, partying together, talking smack, and bonding with his other fraternity brothers. It was something Colin desperately wanted. He loved brotherhood. But his new brothers also introduced Colin to cocaine, Xanax, forced him to binge drink until he passed out. They invited him to the fraternity's formal in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, where they beat him with belts. Inside the fraternity house, they poured hot sauce on him stripped him down to his underwear and made him play tackle football with the other pledges in a small room. As Colin's body was pulled from the hearse, Kathleen and her husband Wade knew none of this. They wouldn't find out for months. Hazing is as old as the Greek system, but the rituals and brutality around the practice have become deadlier. In the last 15 years, experts such as author and hazing researcher Hank Neuer say that there have been 80 deaths of college students connected to the Greek system. Neuer's research shows that at least one student has died from hazing-related activity every year since 1970. And that doesn't include the uncounted other students who have been hazed and now live with physical or emotional scars. Authorities have taken notice. Eleven states have passed tougher hazing laws, making it a felony. In Ohio, the hazing charge is a fourth-degree misdemeanor. That's comparable to the penalty for not paying a traffic ticket. And despite having the criminal charge available to them, prosecutors rarely use it. In mid-October, the Butler County prosecutor filed hazing and assault charges against 18 former and current students of the Delta Tau Delta fraternity at Miami University. The charges came after the dispatch's original report that there had been only five criminal charges of hazing in courts home to Ohio's largest colleges in the last 25 years.
2: Most hazing laws, until the last few years, bit with gums, not with fangs. They're very weak, they're low level misdemeanors. Because they were so low, prosecutors tend to settle cases. Instead of going forward, uh, if you had a homicide in some other part of your jurisdiction, you're going after that, not this case that is probably going to be dismissed by a judge anyway, or with a penalty of maybe 30 days, even with a death. Even with a death. And so for many years, parents were so frustrated, their kids are dead. It's clearly a homicide, the things that were done, alcohols poured down their throats, or they're taken very negligently and dropped off into the country, or they're paddled uh, and beaten, and then nothing happens in terms of the law.
0: That's hazing researcher and author Hank Newer. Despite the uptick in deaths and call for substantial reforms, Greek life appears to be more popular than ever especially among men. John Hecklinger, author of True Gentlemen: The Broken Pledge of America's Fraternities, said there are 100,000 men on college campuses across the U.S. who will be initiated into fraternity chapters this year. Hecklinger said about 400,000 men are in fraternities. That's a 50% increase compared to 10 years ago. It's a puzzling dynamic that has a rinse and repeat cycle every year. Students go off to college as young adults looking for a rudder to help navigate the path of being a young adult. But people keep dying. Reports of hazing abuse grow more alarming and horrific, yet fraternities and sororities remain popular. Many are complicit in the cycle that leads to hazing and abuse. Universities, national Greek organizations, local fraternity and sorority chapters, law enforcement and lawmakers all appear to have accepted hazing on some level.
2: And now you see in the last couple of years some Because of the activism of certain parents you see some and also the lawsuits you see some universities starting to respond but others go back to the same old same old way of protecting the school's reputation and that allows fraternities to skate as well as individual members
0: it is important to understand this point The Greek system is so ingrained in college life that it would seem like cutting off an arm to separate the two. Universities and Greek organizations thrive off of each other. Nearly every college promotes Greek life. University websites offer descriptive reviews of Greek life with promises of brotherhood and sisterhood, a sense of belonging. Ohio University, where Colin went to school in rural southeastern Ohio, tells interested students that Greek life is full of value-based organizations that are focused on leadership, service, brotherhood, and sisterhood. In return, Greek organizations and many of their alumni donate back to the university. And when things go haywire, even when people die, these two groups have long-established protocols. University police are notified. There's an investigation. The Interfraternity Council, which oversees many of the country's Greek institutions, mobilizes the legal team. The individual Greek organizations typically hire lawyers. There's an effort on some level for each to protect the brand, despite the painful circumstances. Sometimes there are smear campaigns, accusations that the victim put themselves in a position to die. This is a process that generally relies on institutions to hold themselves accountable when students misbehave, and it is also one that could allow for a cover-up. Dr. Jenny Hall-Jones, Ohio University's Dean of Students, said the university had tried to do something before Colin died, but she said the university needed to do more.
3: I think the difficulty with this is that people who are hazed, it's very similar to sexual assault, it's very similar to domestic violence, that people are in it and they have put so much time and energy into yeah. getting being a part of this org that they're not going to come forward, that they feel like... Um, They've come out the other side and they see that it makes them stronger, and so we don't have willing complainants, willing victims that come forward and talk about it. Um, And that's why I think this is so difficult to eradicate. Um, People are silent about that. They're silent victims, um, and then become those silent victims, then potentially become perpetrators. Um, And it's a horrible cycle that, you know, we're trying to do everything that we can to like infiltrate that cycle um, and stop it from happening.
0: When hazing happens, even when it involves the most brutal acts, criminal charges are rarely filed. The process to hold fraternities and students accountable for such acts is typically shielded from the public. In the aftermath of Cullen Wyatt's shocking death, the young men who called him brother and officials at the university he was falling in love with all had to consider what they did or didn't do, that helped put him in that hearse. In his family's memories, Colin Wyant was the middle of five children. He was a strapping kid, big on athletics and working out. As a teenager, he counted calories, grams of protein, and reps in the gym. He played basketball in high school, but he loved physical activity no matter what it was. His hair was closely cropped, but sometimes he let it grow long on top to show off his strawberry blonde waves. Colin wasn't quite a redhead, but his family did tease that his skin was so white that he seemed to glow the first few days of summer. Colin kept himself in great shape, but he was known to eat a whole package of Oreo cookies during a movie and down a gallon of milk. He was also kind of a mama's boy. He and Kathleen had a close bond. They bonded over exercising and like Kathleen, Colin was high energy and driven.
3: He used to be a little chubby in eighth grade and he um, didn't like that. And he decided that he wanted to be fit. So his ninth grade of high school, he learned everything he needed to, to figure out how to be fit. So um, he learned about macronutrients and tracking macros and he started doing that. And he started asking me to take him to the gym and he got very fit. The
0: Wyants are a tight-knit Catholic family. They live in a modest home on a quiet, tree-lined street. Their neighbors are close enough to bump into on a trip to the mailbox. Wade and Kathleen met when they were sophomores at Ohio University. Wade was a member of Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity, better known as Pike, and Kathleen, the Alpha Gamma Delta sorority. They settled in Dublin for the children. Their oldest is 26-year-old Austin, and their youngest is 13-year-old Ava. Colin was close with all of his siblings, a benefit of being the middle child. But the strongest bond in the family had always been between Colin and Aiden. At barely 18 months apart, the two were inseparable. They competed against each other in nearly every sport. For years, they shared a room with bunk beds and recited lines from the movie Step Brothers as a running joke between them.
1: It was so much fun. We had like the same bunk beds our entire lives. But yeah, it was, it was so much fun. We just stayed up late every single night talking and... When we were kids, our parents used to like, my dad used to come in, like, uh, in the middle of the night and like yell at us and everything and spank us because of how like loud we were and waking up everyone from like laughing and stuff. But yeah, exactly like stepbrothers. That's what, I, that's what uh, my dad always talks about. Colin was a leader and Aiden
0: gladly followed. His parents thought Colin would go to Bishop Watterson High School, another Catholic high school closer to home that his mom and older siblings had attended. But Colin wanted to attend St. Charles.
3: Yeah, so it was coming down to the wire about, you know, needing to make a decision about which high school. And, you know, we said, you know, if if, if you're really serious about this, then then you got to, you know, tell us why. you got to per- persuade us because we're not seeing it. And, you know, you're one of five kids for us logistically to make this happen on a school that's on the east side of town. I don't know that we have the bandwidth for it unless it's a really good reason and so he said yeah yeah i'm gonna put something together i want to talk to you guys and he told us what night and that night we went in the family room and, and sat down on the couches and he proceeded to you know lay out for us all the reasons why he should go to st charles and why it was a good fit for
0: him aiden followed him there aiden loved to play soccer and made the school team Colin didn't play, but he wanted to be a part of Aiden's experience, so the brothers talked the coaching staff into letting Colin be the team manager.
1: And it was so much fun. It was awesome. He was like, well, he like set up the cones and everything for like the drills and everything, and then he just like, yeah, he just kind of wandered around and like talked to the people and joked around with them, and then during the games, he ran the Twitter account and just kind of did the live tweeting and like sat with the players and talked to them.
0: Their bond was so tight that during the last summer before Colin went off to college, in order to prepare Aiden for his absence, their parents put the boys in separate rooms. The two would text each other while lying in bed, talking about Colin's upcoming freshman year at Ohio University. Aiden couldn't wait to meet college women, and soak in the experience of being on campus. He had already committed to going to Ohio University with his brother after graduating from St. Charles. It was somewhat of a fluke that Colin ended up going to OYO. Despite his parents reminiscing often on their undergraduate years in Athens, nestled in the rolling hills of Appalachian, southeastern Ohio, Colin had been set on cross-state rival, Miami University in Oxford, in southwestern Ohio. But something kept eating at him. He looked around a little. Then he learned about a special business degree program OU had. Colin spent a few days researching it, and he talked to a few friends about
3: it. A few days before National Decision Day, He came in our room at like 10 o'clock at night and said, you know what, I've been thinking about it and I think I want to go to OU instead because I really like this MIS Finance major and I think it'll be a better fit for my long-term goals in business. And we said, okay, you've never toured OU. And he said, oh, but you know, I've been there because Austin graduated from OU. So I've been there and we said, no, no, no. Having wings with your brother in Athens and playing video games in his apartment is not touring OU.
0: Colin was the first person downstairs the morning he went off to college. He was already showered and dressed in a plain blue T-shirt and snug black pants. He was half done packing his things into the family hatchback when Kathleen and Wade came downstairs.
3: I mean, he was so excited. He He couldn't wait to get down there. So it was a very... Even though I was sad about him going off to college, it was very upbeat, high energy. So, yeah, I I just thought he is about to embark on four of the best years of his life.
0: Kathleen could barely hold it together. She cried on and off during the 90-minute trip. Wade was basking in superlatives, a father tells himself when one of his sons goes off to college. Kathleen and Wade love Ohio University, the bucolic landscape, the brick roads, Court Street, The Hawking River that spawned the t-shirt that says Harvard on the Hawking. Oh, and the epic annual Uptown Halloween Street Party. They couldn't wait for Colin to soak that all in. And on top of that, he was going to get a degree. Colin wasn't sure which fraternity he was going to join, but he was going to rush. Both Kathleen and Wade were excited about that.
1: You know, what I got out of this, right, what I got out of my experience was, you know, I got two guys that, you know, are godfathers to my kids and I've got you know a brother-in-law. I mean I got I got great stuff out of it. It was a great experience.
3: Kathleen said Greek life helped her launch a career. You know I was part of the Greek system which was such a positive experience for me and afforded me so many leadership and development opportunities that I would have never had otherwise.
0: Ohio University was founded 215 years ago and 40 years later it welcomed its first fraternity. There are now more than 2,000 students, or about 10% of underclassmen, who are affiliated with the 33 social fraternities and sororities on campus. But there is one that stands out in terms of reputation. Documents from Ohio University's investigation of Colin's death reveal that it's a fraternity that female students warn each other about. Spike drinks and rowdy parties. It's Sigma Pi. On the next episode of Broken Pledge, Colin Wyant soaks in college life and seemingly enjoys being with the brothers of Sigma Pi. But then a trip to Gatlinburg, Tennessee changes everything. If you want to learn more about Colin, see family photos and photos of Sigma Pi's Ohio University chapter. Please visit dispatch.com slash broken pledge. Until next time, I am Sheridan Hendricks. <laughs>